Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not letting the gut here. Welcome to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life, this is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh yeah, it's the biggest fight in boxing in nearly a decade and one of the most historically significant pay-per-view main events in the great history of boxing's welterweight division. Welcome on in to the Morning Combat Takeover here on the CBS Sports Network and your ultimate preview for Saturday's four-belt undisputed welterweight summit when unbeaten champions Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence Jr. meet in T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas only on Showtime Pay-Per-View. My name is Brian Campbell. Luke Thomas, my co-host of the award-winning CBS Sports and Showtime Digital Combat Sports Series, Morning Combat, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the Morning Combat YouTube channel. But Luke, we are here for huge reasons, and it all goes down Saturday, presented, of course, by Premier Boxing Champions. A fight five years in the making. When I say Spence Crawford, you say... I say, yay. <laughs> I don't really know what to say. I mean, listen, two goals with today's broadcast. Number one, we're going to get you ready with every possible detail around Spence Crawford. Two, just don't get the Apollo hook from the bosses on air. I'm just trying to avoid all of that. But if I can be serious, BC, when you tell me about Spence Crawford, you know this as well as I do. We talk about this all the time. Of all of the fights in all of combat sports that could possibly be made this year, I declared this to you already. You know this to be true. This was the one I was looking forward to the most, whether it's MMA, whether it's boxing, you name it. I wanted this one. Why? Because it's one of the most important fights in boxing. It's one of the best fights in boxing. It's one of the most longly uh, anticipated fights sure. in boxing. It's for stakes. It's for intrigue. It's for fun. It's for everything. Boxing fights at least on paper. We'll see what happens Saturday night. They just don't come much better than this. They really don't. This is a royal event and a royal sport when you're talking about unbeaten champion versus unbeaten champion. The first four-belt summit in boxing history at welterweight, the four-belt era beginning 1988. Four recognized titles in major boxing today. Errol Spence has three of them. Terrence Crawford has the, the last and final one, the WBO title. It took five years to get here. It's never easy in boxing, but it's here. And it comes as really the crown jewel, the big summer event, and what has been an incredible calendar year for boxing in 2023. We're going to spend the next two hours breaking down this fight in painstaking detail. But Luke Thomas, something is in the air 
this calendar year as you take a look at this four mile main pay-per-view card on Saturday beginning 8 p.m. Eastern on Showtime pay-per-view. What is it about this calendar year? There's just magic in the water. There's something going on. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm glad you noted the start time. 8 p.m. in the east. That's unusual. So you're going to get a bit of an early start and early finish. But what's in the what's in the air? What's in the water? Dudes want the smoke. I don't know how else yeah. to say it. Guys are taking risks in ways we just didn't see the same amount of in previous eras. Of course, you've always got certain kind of cowboys out there who go and seek the fights and take the challenges. I don't want to deny people no matter what era if they go out and seek those kinds of opportunities, but now we're seeing it on a much grander scale. Earlier this week, we saw Stephen Fulton Jr. go to Japan and try to fight Noya Inoue. It didn't go his way, but what did he do? He risked it. And sure. what are these guys doing? And I know some folks are gonna say this fight should have been happening a long time ago. Listen, fights this good are hard to make. You cannot bring two powerhouses like this together in boxing when so much is at stake so easily. And again, when we're talking about what's at stake, it's pound for pound considerations here. Now again, Noya Inouye did really good things earlier in the week, but these guys are absolutely, the winner of this fight is in the conversation for the best fighter of this generation, best fighter right now. I mean, massive, massive things. So my point being is guys are finally this year, whether by hook or by crook, whatever is motivating them, there's been a sea change. They're seeking out challenge. And we know this to be true because Errol Spence at both press conferences in L.A., in New York, said it's time we have a throwback fight to the sure. 80s. It's time to prove to promoters and television networks that you can take risks and not blow up in your face, win or lose. I think he's right. I hope he's right. We're going to find out. Well, 2023, you mentioned Fulton going to Japan earlier this week against Inoue. How about Ryan Garcia and Gervonta Tank Davis doing what they can to cross the political divide within boxing to make this fight happen? Similar themes in how we finally get to Spence Crawford after this fight really began building up some interest in 2018 when Crawford moved up to his third weight division in which he's won titles now in all three. Crawford's got a huge chance at history this Saturday when you look at already the undisputed four-belt champion at 140 pounds. He can become the first male fighter in boxing history to be undisputed in two divisions. Spence, on the other hand, has the deepest resume of this modern era of welterweight, having made six defensive of his titles, having unified three different belts, and really putting himself in position to take the top baton from the former king of this great welterweight division, and that was the great Floyd Mayweather, undefeated. We'd have to go back to 2015, Mayweather versus Pacquiao, as really the last time we had a fight of this magnitude with this level of stakes. Both fit in perfectly in this great welterweight lineage in history. Heavyweight division can come and go at times in terms of interest and drive the sport. And it's going right now. But in the past 20, 30 years, the welterweight division has been the star division, the money division, and what we have here is two all-time greats on paper. The only drawback in Mayweather-Pacquiao back in 2015, we all remember the biggest, most richest fight in boxing history, was that maybe it came a little bit after that prime date. They were 38 and 36 years old, respectively, in that one, although both were still number one and two in the pound-for-pound rankings at the time, one and two in the welterweight rankings of their era, and Mayweather became the face. This fight, Spence versus Crawford, in theory, can crown us not just the pound-for-pound pound king, as you mentioned, not just the number one welterweight today, but in a lot of ways, the face of this era. Canelo Alvarez has been a monster face of the post-Mayweather-Pacquiao era, and so have Spence and Crawford. What you're looking at is my own, Brian Campbell, top 10 pound-for-pound rankings Dodgy. for CBSSports.com. <laughs> we mentioned the Japanese monster, Naoya Inoue, a four-division champion. 
It may be difficult to knock him off of that perch, but you see my rankings right there. Errol Spence Jr. at number two, Terrence Crawford at number three. We have so many fights this calendar year, Luke, which could affect our pound for pound rankings. Is it as easy to say the winner of Saturday's fight is your new pound for pound king? Or do we have to put a little bit more respect on the monster Inouye's name after what he did Tuesday morning? Hard to take anything away from, from uh, Noya Inouye. What a boxer, what an athlete, what a champion he is. That was remarkable what he did. So if someone has him number one, really not going to argue. And listen, these things are subjective. Everyone's going to have different interpretations and kind of guidelines about what they want. But listen, does the, I think the better way to maybe ask it is, does the winner of this fight have a claim to being pound for pound number one? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Now, if it's contested and we're talking about rematch clauses... Yeah, of course, it all gets dicey again. The way in which Inouye won, it was so forceful and so dominant, it could be hard. But you just cannot rule out the, the magic of Bud Crawford and what he has done to get himself to this point. And as well, Errol Spence, this Terminator wrecking machine, doing everything he could, I think you would argue, to make this fight possible. What it would mean to destroy a guy like Bud Crawford should something like that happen. Yes, the winner of this fight, 1 billion percent, has a claim of being the best boxer. I think, again, depending on how you want to look at it, of this generation, certainly right now. Well, we had to wait five years to get to this point. Terrence Crawford, 35 years old. Errol Spence, 33 years old, the peak of their respective physical and mental primes. It does not get any bigger and better than this. If you're fans of Morning Combat, then buckle up. The next two hours of this ultimate preview will be all the segments you enjoy. And coming up when we return, we'll look into the resumes of both fighters, beginning with Errol Spence right after this. The morning combat takeover of CBS Sports Network continues just days out from Spence versus Crawford only on Showtime pay-per-view this Saturday in Las Vegas. Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas back with you. If you're fans of MK, you know the segments that make us our money that we get excited for. Let's do a resume review of unbeaten 33-year-old unified welterweight champion Errol Spence Jr., 28-0 with 22 KOs. And Luke, the 2012 U.S. Olympian, has no shortage of big names on his resume. Six title defenses of the one he first won in 2017. What fight, though, on the great resume of Errol Spence stands out to you the most? Boy, there's a bunch you could pick for a bunch of different reasons. I think, to me, perhaps, the one that really ha helped him break through with boxing, not critics so much, but you know, any kind of natural skeptic about a guy surging through. For me, it's gotta be the Kell Brook fight. The Kell Brook fight was fantastic because it was a Kell Brook, yes, he was coming off of the Triple G fight where he had a broken eye socket. He moved up two weight divisions, right. dared to be great. But I think still physically, he was quick, he was smart, he was sharp. He had a great game plan, by the way, and there were many rounds where it was very close up until it just wasn't. Here is the thing you have to understand about Errol Spence. So far through his career, he is inevitable. He is a bulldozer, a, a, an absolute, I mean, maniac in there, a scientific one. But the point I'm trying to make is overwhelming physical pressure. Eventually, he was able, you can see right here, to get Kell Brook in very compromised spots, a lot of inside fighting, a lot of body work, which set up the headshots. He broke his other eye socket, Ooh. Brian Campbell, in this fight. And by the way, did it in hostile territory. That was Kell Brook's yeah. hometown there. And Errol Spence went in there and proved a lot of people wrong. He was the underdog going in. That was a 
huge breakout moment for him. You can't underestimate how important this victory was for Spence. May of 2017, going into England in Kelbrook's backyard, as you mentioned. But look at those stats that we showed. Spence landing 47.8 of his power shots. And what Errol Spence needed to show in this first title fight, this first truly big close-up on enemy territory, was that he could handle the smoke, that he could take as good as he can give. You mentioned that this was still very much a prime version of Kelbrook. And this version of Kelbrook, who, by the way, won the title from Sean Porter, a common opponent between these two, he could punch as well as he could box. He could mix the speed and power. And Spence had to dig in. He had to go into those trenches in the late rounds, take what Brooke was getting him, giving to him. But as has become a theme for Spence, marching right through it like nothing happened. When you can combine chin, guile, motor with the well-rounded skill set, we knew on this day one, title shot number one to gain the IBF crown, that Errol Spence was something special. Yeah, I mean, I would also just add, listen, there, I, we keep going back to Errol Spence's brutality and physicality because you can't not. It's just part of his game. It's part of his identity. But the, what I want to say about the Kell Brook fight, which really stood out to me, and I've looked at the fight in granular detail, is that, listen, he had a game plan, he had some tactics he was working on, and then Brooke adjusted. And then he had to adjust around the adjustment, particularly around the jabs. There was a real big battle of the jabs between them. So yes, he is the SWAT team that ran down the door, right? You can make whatever metaphor you want for the game of Errol Spence. But on top of that, the scientific side of it, the good decision-making, the high fight IQ, it's the combination. This is why he's so terrifying, BC. It's the combination of the high fight IQ, the high pace, sure. the high volume. Again, he is inevitable. Well, Spence calls himself what? Man down, straps is in, Moby Dick, the big fish. Yesterday, get your get your Cajun spicy uh, spices ready. There you go. He broke the eye socket of Kelbrook back in 2017 to win his first title. But as we continue down the best wins of the career of Errol Spence, that recurring theme of breaking the face of his opponent and marching through came up in the last time we saw Errol Spence, April of 2022, Dallas Cowboy Stadium. And Jordanis Ugas, the crafty Cuban boxer, this was a unification of titles. But Luke, for Spence, he was coming off detached retina surgery, which kept him out for the entirety of 2021. Did not get to fight Manny Pacquiao. Ugas filled in and scored an upset win. He also survived that crash from 2019 in which he was ejected from his vehicle. Yet none of this has slowed Spence down. He went into the trenches against Ugas exclusively, Luke. And we saw what happened in this one. You know what? There's a certain narrative that after the car wreck, Spence hasn't been the same. And I just don't necessarily agree. I agree with parts of that, right? Some of the first fight, uh, the first fight back wasn't necessarily the best one. But to me, you look at this fight against Ugas, which he made an inside fight. It is absolute shellacking from Errol Spence. He put a pace on Ugas he was not ready for and just beat him down. You can see him just look at, listen. Ugas doesn't have a place to hide. And look at Errol Spence fighting his way in the clinch. Look at how little the referee ever has to intervene when they're in the clinch. It's because Errol Spence doesn't let his opponents ever, ever off the hook. You are trapped under a sheet of ice against him. And the point here you can look at is, again, there's all kinds of tricks he uses to manipulate his opponent and move him around. He fought, to me, undisciplined against Sean Porter. That was not necessarily Spence's best showing. But if you had any concerns, he could only fight wild on the inside against another guy. Let all those concerns go away following the dominant Ugas victory, which, by the way, should have ended before it did. That eye was messed up long before. Yeah, it went down as a late stoppage when Ugas' face was broken. He can continue no more. But you see the 40% connect percentage from Spence on power shots. This fight 
was exclusively power shots, Spence using the jab as a weapon, but digging to that body. So we see two fights in which Spence, the Terminator, the Destroyer, essentially marches through and breaks the face of his opponents. But Spence wouldn't be at this spot as an unbeaten unified champion. Luke, if it wasn't for his ability to win any style, if I'm picking the third best victory on the great resume of Errol Spence, I'm going to 2019, also in Dallas, also inside the Dome, when Spence took on unbeaten three-division champion and pound-for-pound pound ranked at the time, Mikey Garcia. This was the first pay-per-view main event in close-up for Spence, but here's what I want to identify in the inside story. Spence heard in the buildup from the media, from fans, that he'd be facing for the first time a boxer who was better than him, more slick, more studied. Spence took that personal. Look, this was not Errol Spence walking through traffic like against Ugas. This was Errol Spence the ruthless cutthroat competitor proving a point. You think this guy can outbox me? What did Spence do over 12 rounds? Worked from distance and outclassed Mikey yeah. Garcia, who was never able to put his offense into the second gear under any circumstances right. over 12 Let's rounds. Let's be honest about this. Mikey Garcia is a very, very good boxer. If you, it, there's just nothing else you could say other than that. And Errol Spence dummied him. I mean, dummy. Look at those percentages. Right. Unbelievable. It looked like they were two different skill levels. Now, the size difference was real as well. You cannot deny that. Okay, fair enough. But it wasn't just that. This is what I mean about Errol Spence. Everyone wants to talk about he's kind of like the physical inside bruiser and always a deserved reputation. But you saw in that Mikey Garcia fight, okay, you want to have a scientific, more, you know, chess match? I'll beat you there, too. He did exactly that and, again, made it look kind of easy. And real quick, uh, you could have easily added the fourth fight, that 2019 victory over Sean Porter in which Spence did fight a little recklessly. Let me say, that's, that's actually one of my least favorite uh, Spence wins. In the end, you do see Spence showing, for lack of a better description, that dog in him. He has <laughs> plenty of that dog in him. Uh, but it wasn't necessarily as scientific as I have seen from him. But, again, we go back to the Ugas fight. That was. Well, it's so what do you want to take from it. What I take from that ultimately is Spence fought undisciplined. His trainer, Derek James, would say afterwards he didn't follow our game plan at all right. to box. But Spence, the ruthless competitor, trying to prove a point. Sean Porter in the buildup said, I got more dog than you. Spence said, oh you, oh, you do? He proved a point that night by walking through, taking a split decision from Porter, scoring a late knockdown to get it. That is the great resume of Errol Spence Jr. But when we return on the morning combat ultimate preview, we're going to review Terrence Bud Crawford, the three-division champion from Omaha, Nebraska. MK on CBSSN right after this. Spence versus Crawford, Saturday night Showtime pay-per-view. But let's look into the resume of the unbeaten WBO welterweight champion, Terrence Bud Crawford. Brian Campbell and Luke Thomas back with you. The morning combat takeover. Luke, when you look at the tremendous, well-rounded ability of Terrence Crawford over three divisions winning titles. There's no shortage of big stops along the way. But one, what one fight would you single out that the most tells you exactly who this fighter is? You can see on the graphic right here a list of some of the more noteworthy victories. For me, again, there's going to be some debate about this. I'm actually going to say Sean Porter. I think the Sean Porter win to me that Bud Crawford had is amazing. So we talk about guys having you know common opponents. We'll dig into more of this later. But Sean Porter fought both of these guys. Very different fights, very different times in the fighters' careers. 
But oh my God, how can you watch this fight, BC, and not look at the craftsmanship <laughs> of Bud's game? He is Jiro dreams of sushi. Everything is perfect. Look at his positioning. It's never out of uh, in the wrong place. He's always got his balance under him. Combination punching. Again, we'll get to all this stuff a little bit later. But Sean Porter came to fight. I know he got frustrated, and there was a bit of a weird ending in this one. But relative to Errol Spence, and again, you can make any qualification you want. Bud was much better. Bud had a much better game plan and polished him off much easier. Sean Porter looked frustrated. Sean Porter looked out, I don't know what the word is, thunk. He was out thought through the whole process. It was Bud, truly I mean this, in all of his boxing majesty. I take my hat off to the king. The reason why this Bud Crawford win is so important is because comparative to Spence, and we're going to be debating the strengths of the resumes in a bit, he didn't have that big name on his welterweight run. Enter Sean Porter, who came from across the street on the PBC two years after giving Spence a life-or-death battle over 12 rounds. And even though this goes down as the final fight in the great career of Sean Porter, with you mentioned that wonky ending to some degree when Porter was dropped, his father threw in the towel, and shortly after Sean retired, I actually think this was the best, most dynamic version that Porter had been throughout his entire career. We know that Porter added the slickness and the variety to his game later in his run when he was more of a running back, handed off the ball in a welterweight body early on. But he pushed Crawford in the first half of this fight. Sure. But what does Crawford do best? Diagnoses a problem, switches to southpaw, makes adjustments, and takes care of action for our Second fight, looking back on the biggest victories of Terrence Crawford's career. Let's go back to that welterweight debut. It was 2018 in Las Vegas, and it was good old Jeff Horn <laughs> who had upset Manny Pacquiao in Down Under to win the title. Here's the keys to this matchup. Horn is as big as you can be in the welterweight division. Maybe Spence is that only physical rival, but Terrence Crawford moved up in weight and just looked ready for 147 primetime in his first welterweight title fight. The punching power carried, and again, he's not like the biggest puncher you've ever seen, but it certainly carried. He was giving Jeff Horn problems in every capacity. Again, another master of position here. And you can see physically how big Horn is. Yes, he was, there was a big skills gap, as we, we saw in the end, but he's a big guy for this weight class, and he just could not stand up to the accuracy of Bud's boxing. Look at the shots, man. There's no no wasted movement, no uh, overcommitment on where he needs to be, and obviously landing on all the right spots continuously. He gave Horn problems beginning to end in this contest, and to your point, BC, what would he look like at this weight class? Uh, great is the yeah, answer. I mean, look, we know how, how slick Crawford can be, but just like we mentioned, when he moves to the southpaw position, as he did in the second half of this fight against Horn, he's nastier, he's more dynamic, nearly 50% of his power shots. And the final fight of the big three, let's go back to 2017, Lincoln, Nebraska, the home state for Bud Crawford. But this was for undisputed glory, welcoming two-belt champion Julius Ndongo. And Luke, even though Ndongo doesn't carry over throughout his career to maybe look back on this as one of the toughest opponents, the stage was as bright as you can get, four belts on the line. Bud did not make this a fight whatsoever. No, it, this was uh, this was one-way traffic. Look at the rib roasters you see him hitting him with. But the point I want to make here is when he unified the titles on this night, albeit in a different weight class than the one we're in here for Spence versus Crawford, no one had done that in boxing in 11 years. You can see him celebrating. It was a massive achievement. And listen, he was just infinitely better than Ndongo. And what I love, again, you see so many guys, we'll talk about this later, they have you know a couple of weapons they really go back to. So many weapons Whew. for Bud Crawford from either stance, 
He can go to the body. He can go to the head. He can do it all. And this fight, you had Ndongo reaching, reaching, reaching. And Bud Crawford said, you reach, I'm going to teach. And it was it was master student for sure. So who's got the better resume, Errol Spence Jr. or Terrence Crawford? We're going to find that answer out when we return. Ooh. We're going to debate resumes as your morning combat takeover continues on CBS Sports. Spence versus Crawford will be right back. Your ultimate preview for all things Errol Spence versus Bud Crawford continues ahead of Saturday's four-belt unification in the welterweight division on Showtime pay-per-view. BCLT and the MK Takeover resume. We did a little bit of review on the biggest wins in the careers of these two unbeaten champions entering Saturday. But we're critics. There's got to be something that separates them. Who has the better resume? That's what we want to get into. But before we get into it, Luke, you and I had a chance to sit down with both fighters in June for a bi-coastal two-day press tour, Los Angeles and Times Square in New York City, where we asked Terrence Bud Crawford himself, what's the best win on the respective resumes between the two of you? This may help us further continue this debate. Let's hear from Bud Crawford. What's his best win? Well, I think his best win is the same as myself. I think both of our best wins is Sean Porter. Because mm. I feel as Sean Porter was the most accomplished fighter that we both fought, given the names that Sean Porter been in the ring with. Uh, I, I believe that Sean Porter was the best win of both of our career. You heard right there from the unbeaten WBO champion, Terrence Crawford. Luke Thomas, would you echo that opinion that possibly Sean Porter was the best opponent that they both faced? Well, first of all, could you tell who the athletes were on that day? I mean, geez, putting us next to Spence and Crawford. But okay, in all seriousness, um, Porter is the best opponent. There, okay, there is a strong argument that Porter is the best opponent that both guys faced. But again, I just don't think that's necessarily Errol Spence's best win, sure. if that makes sense, because of the way in which both guys were fighting and the way in which that went. So I sort of agree with Crawford. Like, if you look at who's the most high-quality guy, Porter has a, a claim to that. But the, the nights that they fought, the way in which they fought, I think there is some debate about that. It's not. I'll tell you this. It's not my favorite win for Spence at all. Yeah. Well, let's look back at the career runs of these two and compare. For Errol Spence Jr., he did come up empty in his chase for a medal at the 2012 London Olympics representing the U.S. after a long and decorated amateur career. In fact, he got further up the amateur ranks than Terrence Crawford. But the difference between these two is that Errol Spence, as big of a welterweight as you can fit into a 147-pound body, has spent his entire career in this weight division. Won that first world title as we talked about in 2017 against Kell Brook. Has defended a portion of the welterweight title six times. Has names on his resume at 147 that include Ugas, Mikey and Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Kell Brook, so many more. Luke Thomas, the rise and run of Terrence Crawford has been a little bit different. Didn't turn pro with the same level of fanfare and turn pro at much smaller weight class. Crawford, a three-division champion, winning belts at 135, junior welterweight at 140, becoming the undisputed champion, and now picking up the WBO strap in 2018 in his welterweight debut. Let's start here on just comparing the welterweight resumes. I have spent slightly ahead by one spot in my pound-for-pound -pound rankings ahead of Crawford, largely because he does have a deeper resume in this division. 
But we're not saying that's Terrence Pud Crawford's fault. There is a divide in boxing when it comes to the idea of networks and promoters having exclusive deals. It was hard for Terrence Crawford to get in their prime welterweight opponents. That's why that Sean Porter fight was so important in 2021. But I don't think we're causing any controversy right here. If you're just comparing the welterweight resumes, I don't think anybody in this era compares with Spence. I think that's right. Like, listen, he's got the three belts, and obviously, you know, Bud has the one. Again, that's also related to potential promoter considerations. I think if you just look at the last stretch, I mean, even you can discount the Evanesian fight, but the, the stretch before that, when he was fighting the Amir Khans of the world and things like that, where, you know, he did fight Kelbrook as well. I think it's a very different Kelbrook that he fought. I don't think that stretch was nearly as strong as during that same time what Spence was doing. But to your point, BC, we talk about pound for pound. Bud Crawford is the definition of pound for pound. Yes. A guy who wins titles, moves up. Wins titles, moves up. So they're very different. Where one guy has made this his home this whole time and had some of the benefit of having many of his contemporaries and peers in positions where he could fight them more easily. But Bud Crawford's overall resume, there it is. I think that's the difference. So for me, I'm with you. The welterweight resume of Errol Spence is better. The overall resume, I think, leans in favor to Bud Crawford. They have both fought every type of style possible. And let's not forget for Bud Crawford, the big breakthrough lightweight win in 2014 over Yuri Erkis Gamboa, who was undefeated where he showed character. And the unification win over Victor Postal two years later. But when we return, we go inside the numbers for a statistical look at all things Spence versus Crawford. Oh yeah, does it get any bigger than big time boxing in Las Vegas and the four belt welterweight undisputed summit Saturday night, Spence versus Crawford. As the morning combat takeover continues here on CBS Sports Network, we're gonna go inside the numbers to break down this matchup a little bit deeper. But Luke, on the surface, Spence versus Crawford is the ultimate style matchup. Both can win any style, but Spence the Southpaw, more of the bruising, brawler on the inside, but doing it in a very educated way. Crawford, more of the freestyle abstract painter who can yeah. switch stances. Can't wait to see what it looks like when they touch gloves against each other. But when you want to see where they rank among their contemporaries, let's go to the folks at CompuBox. You're looking right now at a top 10 of fewest opponent punches landed per round. And look at where Terrence Crawford fits in in that top 10. 7.6 opponent punches landed per round. That not only speaks to the defense of Crawford, but the elusiveness, the speed, that hair trigger reaction that he can do, switching stances, coming back over the top with big counter shots. First and foremost, Luke, he's just hard to hit. Well, what folks don't understand is, when you look at fight statistics, one of the most important things to remember is good champions actually depress their opponent's offensive numbers. So if you have an opponent, right, who has like an offensive baseline about what they land and what they don't, whenever they fight someone like a Crawford, that number will automatically lower because one, they'll be getting hit more, yes, but the bigger issue is they become so confused. They become so wrapped up in the moment or just overwhelmed by what they're up against, they don't throw as much. Sure. They're not as accurate, they're off balance. Again, watch how many times a guy like Crawford makes an opponent miss. That's what we're talking about here. All right, also, BC, let's get to this one, get to the graphic. Let's look at the top 10 in opponent power percentages landed here. Of course, lowest opponent power punch connect percentages brought to you by CompuBox. And you can see here again, Terrence Crawford sitting at 26.2% tied for the top eight or so, or top 10, obviously there's 10 names. 
But you get the idea, BC. Now, obviously, Shakur Stevenson, who is a Marvel himself, sitting at the top of that list. Demetrius Andre has, you know, I think a lower output in general through his fights. But these other names are pretty incredible. Here's the thing, though. I'll say this. Terrence Crawford sitting at this spot is, to me, actually pretty interesting. Because I feel like for a guy who is as cerebral as he yeah. is and how much he can depress his opponent's ability to land or hurt him, dude, he'll mix it up. He'll actually court risk in very, very dangerous positions. And so to be that high when you have that style, really remarkable. Unbelievable how quickly Crawford can turn defense into offense and even more important, we talk about it, very few fighters in this day and age can switch stances on the fly and be as good on both sides. Not only is Crawford very good on both sides, but when he goes southpaw, he gets nasty. He might even be better. And the finish seems to come pretty quick. Those are more of the defensive numbers. Let's get into the offense and look at the top 10 power punches landed percentage in the entire sport of boxing. Gervonta Tank Davis, hard to beat him, landing nearly 50% of his total overall power punches. But as you can see, both Crawford there at number six, Spence at number 10. We saw the full screen panel looking at the stats after each of their biggest victories. The old boxing adage is, if you land at least 40% of your power shots in a fight, you've probably won that fight. You see how often it happens with these two, both pointing upwards toward that 50% mark. Luke, that just shows that when they have figured you out, they do away with the pleasantries and the jabs and the early feel-out boxing. They get down to business, they get inside. They both can land sneaky combinations, they can overpower you, they can hit and not get hit. Magicians out there, but not just crafty guys, finishers. Yeah, well, how about this too? Like, Gervonta is obviously gonna be number one, and that's not in any way surprising. But Gervonta, for as much of a power puncher as he is, and he might be one of the most dynamic ones in all of boxing, Errol Spence's volume is significantly higher, right? So we're talking about a different kind of denominator here and a different kind of numerator here on how we make these equations. So I'm trying to point out, for a guy like Errol Spence to be in the top 10, given how much volume he has, that is what tells you it's really remarkable. He what does not stop in fights, whereas Tank BC, you know, He's very judicious with his punching. He doesn't throw all the time. Yeah, Spence just starts coming downhill on you, unleashing that assault. It's the physicality. It's the accuracy. He's constantly moving his feet and looking at the angles. And Luke, our final full screen. Let's take a look at the top 10 here in jabs thrown per round, if we can, for one Mr. Errol Spence out of DeSoto, Texas. And you can see here, again, numbers courtesy of CompuBox, Errol Spence sitting in the top 10. Look at that, 34.9 BC. The jab is absolutely critical to understanding everything about Errol Spence. Of course, he has much more in the tool uh, kit, uh, in the old Batman belt, whatever metaphor we want to use, but everything starts there. And BC, it's not just a range finder or a blinder exactly. or a mover. It can be a power jab all the time as well. Look, Terrence Crawford, from either stance has a great jab as well, although he didn't make the top 10 here and statistically, but the difference is what Spence can do. I compare it to almost Gennady Golovkin, the great Triple G, using the jab as a weapon, not a rangefinder, not necessarily to push you into position, but to hurt you, to back you up, and when you can connect at that percentage, that's why we're talking about two special future Hall of Famer all-time greats meeting on Saturday. Those are the numbers on the inside, but when we return, we're going to look at the corners, the coaches of Spence and Crawford as your morning combat takeover on CBS Sports Network rolls on.
The crown jewel of an already loaded 2023 Ooh. boxing calendar, Spence versus Crawford on Saturday, and your MK takeover continues. BC and LT, but we're going to look at not just the skills that make up these great welterweight champions, the coaching in the corner, the direction. Yes. And for Errol Spence Jr., out of DeSoto, Texas, he trains in Dallas at the world-class boxing gym. He might have the best trainer in the world in his corner, reigning and defending 2022 trainer of the year, Derek James. And Luke Thomas, the 51-year-old James, was a pro super middleweight himself, fighting to a 21-7 and record. But in the last, let's say, extended 18 months, he's become the trainer to go to, the, the sexy hire in the sport. Why do you believe that's true? It's weird, though, because MMA and boxing have very different economic models, and we're used to seeing, like, super teams where all these stars get together in MMA, and you don't really see it in boxing except with Derek James. Derek James is, is proven, is really the answer. Derek James is proven. Now, both guys, in terms of Bo Mack and Bud Crawford and then Derek James and Errol Spence, the commonality is that, of course, they, it's, a, it's a strong relationship between the two partners in both cases. But in Derek James, in recruiting, or at least, you know, uh, Ryan Garcia seeking out his services, and Anthony Joshua seeking out his services, BC, I'll tell you what stands out to me. It's the game planning by Derek James. He has a great ability to dissect and understand what his guy is up against, what his guy is good at, and then put the X's and O's to get there to get him across the finish line. I really feel like he's a very, very, very clever strategist in the boxing game. And obviously, he can get the best out of his guys as well in both training and the fights. Well, he's a calming influence in the corner, almost comparative to Virgil Hunter, the former great trainer of Andre Ward in that respect. But I think the dual legacy of the reputation of Derek James coached fighters is on one hand, you do have that defensive responsibility and fundamentals are always going to be key, but he also has dogs, right? The x-ray came back and we found out what these guys are made of. This is the stable of champions currently that Derek James coaches. It's Errol Spence Jr. who's seeking undisputed status at 147. It's your undisputed 154-pound champion, Jermel Charlo, rising unbeaten lightweight Frank Martin. The ghost. And now you add former heavyweight champion Anthony Joshua and breakout lightweight sensation Ryan Garcia. Maybe it's not too different from where Freddie Roach was, Manny Pacquiao's great Hall of Fame trainer a few years back where like a moth, right? In front of a light, the fighters are seeking him out. But we, but we did speak to him about that, though, and he was like, I don't think I can really take on many more. You know, no. this, is, this is his strategic and, like, personal limits, which I think is wise, right? He's got a bunch of guys in different weight classes, too, for the most part. I mean, I guess we'll see what happens as time goes on. So he really apportions his time. He understands his guys. And, again, strategy, X's and O's, skills win fights. He gets his guys skilled and leveled up and then gives them the right blueprint to follow. Well, the 51-year-old James has been with Errol Spence ever since Spence came out of the Olympics in 2012 and turned pro later that year. And in the buildup, though, to this great fight, of course, Showtime, their all-access pre-fight documentary series, the two-part series that you can find right now on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel, takes us behind the scenes. And we had almost a little skirmish ahead of the New York City press conference when Bud Crawford and Spence's trainer, Derek James, crossed paths. Let's take a little bit of an eagle-eye look in on what happened. I got to go to the the year, don't know what is, right there. I got to undisputed champ. Right. Hey, keep your out there. Keep your out there. What's up? What's up? What's going on? I said what's going on. Stupid. You stupid? What? What's the issue with me? I said what's going on. I said what's up. I said what's up. I said what's going on. I said what's up. I said what's up. All right. Yeah, I said what's up. 
man, he's about to get choked out or something. But really, it was like his boy on the outside was talking. Hey, am I gonna me? I think they think I'm a punk. Well, we were there, Luke Thomas, in New York City that day. Luckily, no one got choked out. But the reason why I love that clip is this Spence versus Crawford fight is so sort of royal, regal, and historic that it sells itself. The abilities of both fighters, the accomplishments, the stakes. We haven't needed trash talk like we have in other matchups to get people hooked. But they are so competitive that it felt like it spilt over a little bit. Right yeah, now. Folks don't know this. This is actually how Brian greets me when I see him. He goes, are you stupid? And the answer is usually yes. It's usually and, yes. And but I'll threaten to get that choke in just you, the same. Listen, from behind, no one knows when it's going to come. He's like a ninja. But the point, of, to be serious here, is they, they didn't, in the end, go to anywhere. It didn't, it didn't lead to anything. And you're right, this fight doesn't really need the trash talk. But dudes are chippy. The closer fights get, you're going to get interactions like this. And on the Crawford side, of course, Brian Bomack McIntyre, 53 years old, out of the B&B Sports Academy in Omaha, Nebraska, the hometown of Terrence Crawford. And look very quickly, BMAC, former heavyweight, by the way, 7-14 and 14 record, once lost to Eric Butterbean Esch. But he's a character, <laughs> but he's also one of the smartest in the game today. Yeah, and has a great relationship with Bud Crawford. They have a dynamic sort of duo there, and uh, he's pretty incredible. Those are the coaches, but when we return, we want to hear from you, the fans. DMs from Donks coming your way on the MK Takeover. Your morning combat takeover on CBS SN continues. I don't know who led us into the studio, but we're happy to be here. But what we do every Monday on Morning Combat, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Morning Combat YouTube channel, is solicit questions from you, the viewers. We like to call DMs from the Diggity Donks. That's right, Luke we do. Thomas. Yes. Let's hear from our first donk. We brought a uh, disclaimer out there on Twitter. Had you send in your questions. Cole Brown 858 answered. And he says simply, as a fan here, when was the last time either of you guys were this excited for a boxing match? Luke Ooh. Thomas, what do you say? That's a great question. I am going to say, well, I was really excited for Mayweather Pacquiao, and I know in the end it didn't necessarily live up to some of the hype, but that was huge. You and I were there for that one. We were there for Mayweather, Canelo. That was another really fun fight week. Also, Lucas Matisse had a fun fight on that card. Danny Garcia. Yes. Right, right. So that was a great one as well. And Angel Garcia was Angel Garcia that fight week. So there was a lot going on. I'll say so, I'll say one of those two probably. Yeah, I'll say certainly there's been massive flags in the, on the top of the mountain that you just had to get to. I mean, even Mayweather McGregor was the perfect sort of... That was, that was a little more you know, crazy. That was, was a crazy. little bit more crazy. But when you're talking about critical respect between two fighters and stakes, I kind of go back to a sneaky one in the pound for pound rankings back in 2013 when Nonito Donaire, who will be fighting for a world title at age 40 on right. Saturday's pay-per-view undercard, already, by the way, stamped his Hall of Fame resume when he took on Guillermo Rigondeau in that 122-pound uh, unification. That had me going from a critical sense. Spence Crawford, no different, but we roll on. Here's from 420 History Bird. He wants to know, where will the winner of Saturday Night's fight rank among the all-time greatest welterweights. Luke Thomas, when we put our oh, historic God. hats on, we certainly can compare this fight favorably to the great welterweight fights in history. But I mentioned something ahead of this. Spence versus Crawford are two all-time greats meeting at the peak of their powers. Win or lose, both are going on to sort of welterweight immortality. But how would, I think the best way to answer this question you got to play mythical matchmaking. How would Spence and Crawford compete against the Ray Leonards, the Tommy Hearns, the great welterweights that have come through here in history, Pernell Whitaker, Oscar De La Hoya, Tito Trinidad? 
I say favorably. Uh, favorably, but comparing across eras is so difficult. I mean, what Hackler have, like 50 plus fights, you know, for example? We're not just, it's just a different way in which guys competed. There was different rules and expectations and norms in boxing at that time. By the way, a person with this kind of screen name has definitely shoplifted at 7-Eleven. I just wanted to put that out there. But neither here nor there, <laughs> getting to the point of the question. The winner here, particularly if it is dominant, would put them... What would you say top three among all-time Walter Waits? Something like that? Here's what's interesting. We call this fight an old-school fight because of the mentality between the two, because they're so competitive. They're pretty much promising that this will be a fight of the year contender, but also a showcase of skills. But they have both accomplished so much, particularly Spence within this division, that if he cleans out the division, becomes the unbeaten four-belt champion, and beats another all-time great to close it here in Crawford before moving up to 154... I think you'd have to put him in there. Could you put him above Sugar Ray Leonard? That'd be hard to. Can you put him above Mayweather and Pacquiao? That would be hard to. Right. But we're talking about top five welterweights at all, five, of all yeah. time. I think that's right. Spence might compare favorably. Let's go to Hawaii Zone. Telvin Key Papa. Excuse me. We'll pass on down to E. Debar Rardinas. Sounds like an Eagles fan. Do I also can't read that. Do you think Spence's new mouthpiece will have any impact on the fight? On all access, he discussed how it Good has fallen question. out yes. a couple times. 100%. 100%. Obviously, listen, if you spit the mouthpiece constantly, the referee will disqualify you or take a point or whatever because you're interfering with the flow of the fight. And you go and you watch that fight against Ugas. It wasn't BC just that his mouthpiece kept falling out. Remember, there was one time he went to go retrieve it. The referee didn't know what he was doing, and Ugas got a hard free shot that nearly knocked him down. So, yes, it sounds like nothing, but your safety equipment needs to work as intended. <laughs> During the middle of a fist fight, absolutely. So him getting that, I, by the way, it wasn't just the Ugas fight, he said. It had been happening for several fights prior to that one, 100%. It, it, it's not going to make a win or lose scenario, yeah. but you just don't want, dude, you're fighting Bud Crawford. Do you want mouthpiece problems when you're fighting a guy where the margin of error is that little? No, you do not. We roll on on the DMs from Donks, R underscore striker. Let's check that guy's search history. He says, if Bud loses... <laughs> Won't people say he's old? He's 35. If Spence wins, won't they say the car crash took it out of him? What's to be gained here? This is this is probably somebody from Boxing Twitter, which can get very cynical. Yes. But Luke, we're A not very gonna, happy group. We're not going to be trying to diminish if Spence wins and say Bud's old. No, because on the flip side, Spence already proven that he can recover from the car crash, from the retina surgery and not look any different. On I got to tell you, I have a feeling either you're going to get a closely contested fight where guys both you know have turns looking dominant and looking a little bit under the thumb or maybe one guy comes out and blitzes the other one and you get a rematch in the process but I don't have a feeling that some guy I don't feel like we're going to get a fight where where we look at the winner or the loser and we're like well that just wasn't what it could have been I just I understand the concerns and like the echoes of Mayweather Pacquiao not necessarily satisfying some of the common audiences that aren't accustomed to watching boxing as often I get that I understand but I just feel like Sure, could this fight have happened earlier? Yes, Bud Crawford looks to be in tremendous shape. Errol Spence looks to be in tremendous shape. Errol Spence has been off for a while, which could be ring rust, but I don't think it's going to lead to you know him getting demolished early necessarily. I expect a tough, sturdy fight between both guys. It, it, I just don't feel like this will be a relevant question when the fight is over. And I expect a second fight, by the way. We'll get to that rematch clause a little bit later, but how about this loaded question to close on DM from Donk from Ekambuli10. Is this one of the most important Boxing fights in history. That might be too loaded to answer. Why don't we address this when we come back? Where does Spence Crawford fit in in history of the super fights? MK on CBSSN continues.
Revely, revely, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It's time for one of the most anticipated fights of this decade. A super fight. This era is the Terrence Crawford era. And everybody get broke. We're going to break him, man. We're going to break him like a horse. Give me a triple. Hook right. He call himself the big fish, right? But what you do when the fish get took out the water? Right in the hook. You suffocate. Hey, listen, listen. You ain't fought nobody, man. You haven't beat anybody. We've been licking our chops from day one. Them guys is just getting us more prepared. Step in the ring July 29th, because this is a fight that we always wanted. What's next? Everybody know who I want next. Y'all already know who I want. It doesn't matter what took so long. All that matters is we're here now. Definitely, you know, a long road to get to this point. Stuff takes time. This is one of them fights that would be talked about forever. I expect him to have nothing but destruction on his mind, and that's the same thing for me. I have nothing but destruction on my mind, and basically, you are seeking destroy. You won't be broken July 29th. Yeah, uh, we gonna see. I'm gonna gut him. I'm gonna feed him to everybody that eat fish in here. <laughs> Call yourself the big fish. We don't have enough food for everybody. We finally got a future undisputed champion of the world, July 29th, myself. <laughs> You're gonna see a new undisputed welterweight champion of the world, and he's gonna be from Omaha, Nebraska. Champion versus champion, both unbeaten, both in their primes. Spence versus Crawford. Hour number two begins of the morning combat takeover here on CBS Sports Network to reset Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, your co-hosts of the award-winning digital combat sports series, Morning Combat, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube. Luke Thomas, we closed out on DMs from Donks last time. E. Cambuli 10 said, is Spence Crawford one of the most important boxing fights in the history of the sport? I say yes. Ooh. Let's talk about some of those historical implications. This is just the 13th time that welterweight champions have faced off in a unification fight. It's obviously the first time in this four-belt era, which began in 1988, that all four recognized titles are at stake and we're going to crown an undisputed champion. It's also the fourth time in welterweight history that unbeaten champion versus unbeaten champion have squared off. Let's take a look at that recent history in the four belt era since 1988 in men's boxing at who has captured undisputed status. We mentioned off the top that Terrence Crawford is one of them back at 140 pounds. He became the undisputed champion by knocking out Julius Ndongo in 2017. But Luke, it's become more of a trend, thankfully, in the sport over the last three years. If you focus on those dates, pro promoters, 
sanctioning bodies really seeming to go out of their way to try to align these super fights that the sport demands and needs so much. Look, we want one face, one name in every division, one champion. We don't want it to be spread out across the sport. Look at the company Saturday's winner will find themselves in. Just recent history, the monster Inoue, Devin Haney, Jermel Charlo, Canelo Alvarez. It does not get any better than that. Luke Thomas simply put, this mixes in and fits in quite well when we're talking about super fights or the biggest fights in welterweight history. I mean, you know that this fight and the winner would belong. Terrence Crawford's already on the list, for crying out loud. You already see his name there. Also, September 30th on Showtime Pay-Per-View, two other guys whose names are on that list, Canelo and Charlo. Pretty remarkable that they're going to face off again, different fight, different circumstances. But BC, yeah, there's just, this is, I mean, there's a lot of ways to dice this and sort of examine it and from there glean its relevancy and its importance. This is on the list for these unification. And again, a fight that is going to do good numbers, a fight that's going to have a big pay-per-view return, a big gate, a fight that boxing needs, the structure of boxing, that it has to work over time to maintain its relevancy. Sure. So fans can trust it. And I know there's a lot of issues in a lot of different directions in the sport of boxing for its disorganization and its... Politrics politics like to call it. But, but when guys meet like this... Under these circumstances, undefeated, Crawford's already on the list that we just took a look at. Spence wants to add his name to it. You just have to realize it can, I don't know, save the sport of boxing is a little bit much. That's not what it I'm can. saying. It can. It really but, can. But it can certainly restore faith. It can certainly be important. It can be fun, and it can be relevant. It's, it is what make, it makes the architecture work, at least on nights like those. And now that list did not show the women's boxing side, which has had its own run of undisputed champions. Right. Crawford can join Clarissa Shields as the only boxers in history to be undisputed in two weight divisions. But I mentioned off the top, Showtime Sports Historian, the Hall of Famer, Steve Farhood, did the research. There has been 12 welterweight title unification bouts in the history of the sport. So what are the rankings and where does Spence Crawford potentially fit in that top 10? Your boy BC right here, Brian Campbell, ranked the 10 greatest welterweight unification fights of all time. First, let's just look at the history. First welterweight title unification goes back to 1929, but you see that modern history. And when we're talking about my top 10 right there, the big upset for Ricardo Mayorga in 2003 against pound for pound King Vernon Forrest. How about their 1985 at number nine, Luke? The first time unbeaten welterweight champions met when Curry scored a third round knockout of McCrory, by the way, both were 24 and 23 years old. You see Spence's most recent destruction of champion Ugas. Two unbeaten champions met on CBS in 2017. Big numbers. Five million viewers watched Keith Thurman edge Danny Garcia by split decision and the first Mayweather Maidana clash in 2014. But how about the top five? This is where old boxing heads are certainly going to see names that they know. I think Spence Crawford has a chance to fit in quite favorably, maybe even number three. Now, Spence versus Porter, great action fight. Number four, though, Luke, was a big one. Unbeaten Felix Trinidad, unbeaten Oscar De La Hoya, and even though the decision in the end was heavily disputed and even controversial, that was the first non-heavyweight super fight, truly, in the pay-per-view era of boxing. Can Spence Crawford end up being bigger and a better fight? Sure, it has that chance. Well, De La Hoya took the rest of that fight off, so there's a good chance. Actually. Oh, absolutely. Hard to be bigger, Luke, than Mayweather Pacquiao, which set the reigning and defending record for pay-per-view buys in North America there at over $4.6 million. But when we're trying to compare to where Spence and Crawford fits in, it does fit in with Trinidad De La Hoya. It does fit in with Mayweather Pacquiao. But 1981's Sugar Ray Leonard versus Tommy, the Hitman Hearns fight, was one of the most awaited, hyped up, 
incredible fights in boxing history. And Luke, that night in Las Vegas, it delivered. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to win your fantasy football league, it starts right now. The offseason is the best time to get ahead of the competition. We'll help you win your league on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, part of CBS Sports Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Today has three episodes every week following the latest news, giving you early rankings, early sleepers, breakouts, and busts. So if you're a dedicated fantasy football manager, check out the most dedicated podcast, Fantasy Football Today. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. With Sugar Ray Leonard rallying in the 14th round down on the scorecards to stop Tommy Hearns. You may remember his great trainer, Angelo Dundee, in the corner saying, you're blowing it, son. You're blowing it. <laughs> Those were the old school fights that made us fans. And I did get a chance to talk to Errol Spence this week. And Luke, he said... I grew up maybe a little bit younger than you, but in that same era of super fights. Ter uh, Errol Spence says he watched Chavez versus Whitaker. He watched a lot of these great fights, De La Hoya, Trinidad, and wanted to do that, wanted to be old school like that. When people say Crawford versus Spence has the potential to be old school, do you buy into that narrative? 100%. And in fact, both guys in particular, Errol Spence has kind of marketed it explicitly as a throwback fight. Boxing's reputation is always a little bit more romantic than it should be, right? Everyone kind of overstates some of the good parts about previous eras and undersells some of the bad ones. But nevertheless, there is just a feeling that the 1980s was about a clash of icons all the time in multiple divisions. Obviously, Mike Tyson had heavyweight, but Sugar Ray Leonard, and there were many other stars during that time. The 80s kind of gets associated with the, not the perfect era, the but- The Four Kings. The Four Kings, the whole nine yards. We can go on and on. When they are marketing this fight, they're telling you, oh, yeah, it's going to remind you of that, and with good reason, I would yeah. argue. And I think the old school element is the fact that both fighters have said time and again, we are willing to go through each other to make history happen. You see the historical comparisons, but when we return, let's look a little bit deeper on the resumes, common opponents between Spence Crawford and what we learned from those fights when MK on CBS Sports Network rolls on. Oh, ha, ha. the duel in the desert is almost here. Saturday in Las Vegas, Spence versus Crawford. And your MK ultimate preview of the fight continues. Luke Thomas, let's talk common opponents right now. There's been two of them. Great former champions in Kell Brook and Sean Porter. Let's focus first on Brook. This is where the biggest difference in terms of the performances of both, in my opinion, lie. Errol Spence fought Kell Brook in his first title fight in 2017. When Terrence Crawford finally got around to facing Kel three years later, it simply was a different Kel Brook, let's be honest. Yes, and this is not in any way Bud's fault. No one is suggesting it or no one's suggesting that the win means nothing either. But it would just be disingenuous to say it was the same guy. He left a piece of himself through the Triple G fight and then this one. By the way, both very brutal affairs in the end. And, of course, then another three years expired. To me, as I said before, Errol Spence really looking dynamic, forcing his way to the inside, making it a brutal affair and stopping him. Again, a bit of a difference with Bud Crawford playing a little bit more of that outside game, sharpshooter game. 
And that was the right approach. Again, here's the difference, BC. Bud Crawford did what he should have done. Errol Spence, I think, outperformed expectations. Sure. A little bit of a difference there. There you see the statistical comparison brought to you by CompuBox of how each fighter fared against Kell Brook. I think the ultimate difference, though, was the punch resistance of the great English champion Kell Brook was just changed three years later. A reminder... Brooke broke his face against Gennady Golovkin at middleweight the fight before Spence. He healed and recovered. He broke his orbital bone again on the other side from Spence. Arguably never the same, but had problems getting big-name welterweights who were in their prime until the next common opponent happened, and that's what we talked about earlier. Sean Porter, the two-time welterweight champion, fought... Errol Spence Jr. to an exciting split decision loss in 2019, but two fights later in the last fighters of his career, and I say this again, maybe the best performance, yes, even in defeat of Porter's career when he pushed Terrence Crawford, got stopped late. There's the statistical comparison between them of how both Spence and Crawford fared, but Luke, they were very different fights, mm -hmm. yet that's still facing a world-class elite foe in what Showtime Sean Porter brings to the table. Right, so we were saying before in the well, the Brook fight that wasn't the same Brook. I got to tell you, you know, was it the same Porter? Okay, maybe there's always going to be slight differences, but I thought he showed up in both of those contests. So for me, Bud's win is very, very, I mean, they're both impressive wins, but Bud's win was particularly impressive to me in this regard. So I give him a bit of an edge in terms of who performed better against who when it mattered. Bud is a magician. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. The guy is going to create openings that even world-class fighters don't even know are there, and he's going to make you pay always in the right position you can see here again that swivel jab coming over the top he's just dynamic and he really again starting slow his problem solving skills here's the interesting part about this fight when they meet eventually spence and crawford spence is going to start early but crawford's adjustments sure. late are always so good i'm dying to see what happens there and you're seeing footage of the 2019 pay-per-view classic between Porter and Spence, a fight of the year contender. And just a reminder, Spence did fight very undisciplined off of the game plan of his trainer, Derek James. It made for a more exciting fight, but it might make it difficult on exactly comparing apples to apples of the same type of style or game plan that Crawford fought. And Porter, he's talked a lot ahead of this fight being one of the two common opponents. Here's one thing Porter did say. He said he was able to make constant adjustments against Spence to give him different looks and make it interesting. He said, though, against Crawford, he was unable to make right. those same adjustments because Crawford is so quick, so on top of you. That doesn't necessarily mean, though, that Porter's picking Crawford. He said, too close to call. I feel like we've both been in that spot. A true 50-50 fight. Crawford fought smarter, and that paid off for him. Spence didn't. But again, who had the better win of the two? Bud. All right, time to go to the classroom. Yes, I'm telling you, he's coming. This Ooh. man right here, Professor Salt and Pepper. We are going to dissect... It's dissected time on Spence and Crawford. Up first, Bud and Welcome back in the big fight. Just days away, Spence versus Crawford and your morning combat ultimate preview takeover continues. Hey, class is in session. I promised him Professor Salt and Pepper gonna bring the dissected treatment to North Omaha's finest, Terrence Bud Crawford. What makes him so dynamic? Everything. 
He can do everything. There's nothing he's bad at. We could be here all day if we really wanted to get into all the nuts and bolts. But for today's purposes, I want you to pay attention to a few things. One, he is a dynamic athlete, but doesn't necessarily rely on it. He is a master of position that is very important. He is a master of balance. You never see him losing his balance when he throws. And he always is able to use position, not just to put himself in the place that he wants, but to make other opponents miss, to set traps. Also, combination punching, shot location, shot selection. There are so many fine details to his game. Let's get into the first clip. Now, this is Julius Ndongo, who had Crawford ahead hunting a little bit. He makes a switch. Look at Crawford. Slightly lean back to draw this guy's wide base in off the jab. He misses there, but look at this. Left hand to the body. He was going to the head before, and this time he just gets him with the rib roaster. And now he's got squared up hips to the guy with the bladed stance, but he's out of position. So he does that combination punching, BC, right to the body. Look at this boxing. Look at that adjustment, BC. Just a slight movement. He didn't make some huge jump out of the way. Just just a little bit, centered himself around, and made Ndongo pay unified all the time. Those hips didn't lie. Talk about the torque he was able to bring out to get that. How dangerous can you be? Look, Terrence Crawford can already do it all, but when you have that shotgun, you can go left hand to the body and you can finish the fight in one punch. That just adds a next level of danger to what he brings to the table. And look at the hardware right here in this fight against Ndongo in his hometown of Omaha. Crawford becoming the first four belt undisputed junior welterweight champion. Boy, does he have a chance to double down on those world titles. Come Listen, Saturday. one of the things that actually Errol Spence and Bud Crawford have in common in different ways, but one of the commonality is the diversity of targets. So many guys today, they just want to have that one hitter quitter, that David Tua power, which is alluring, I understand. But Bud Crawford wants all the targets. He wants to know all the places that can get him to the W. Here you see it, combination punching, making guys miss, going to the body. It's obviously going to be a lot easier to hit than the head. This is what a master craftsman does. And by the way, when he got these, he was the first guy to do this in all of boxing to this point in 11 years. If he unifies, of course, on Saturday, it'll be the next weight class, a second weight class where he'll have done that. He'd be the first male boxer to do it, the second overall, joining Clarissa Shields. And I'd like to see Bud Crawford on the dance floor because I've been known <laughs> to tear it up at wedding receptions. I think Bud's got that same movement. All these boxers, all these fighters, they, they seem to think that they can be good dancers. I, I think there's good reason for it, especially when you got footwork like this guy. Let's take a look at the next clip. Now, we have a similar opponent in Sean Porter, different kind of fighter than the last one. Here comes the jab. He's going to measure and slow him down. He got Porter over committing. Watch the, the trail leg now. He's going to take a step up, but Bud is going to take another step back. He's got lead outside foot position, and he's got kind of an inside angle. We had Porter going down before. This time, Bud knows it and greets him there. So it's anticipation. It's position. You're going to see it here again with a different combination, more combination punching, and of course, the target locations are everywhere, and the punch trajectory, BC. He's not necessarily coming from the shoulder there. It's coming up from here as a guy is moving into it. It's another way to maximize your power. That's how you get that rotational power is when the punch and the person are moving into the same space together. That's a bad dude right there. Well, what's the commonality here of these highlights that we're seeing in most of the finishes in Bud Crawford's career? When you're talking about his highlight reel, he'll start every fight orthodox, and boy, is he a slickster from that side. Correct me if I'm wrong, though, when Bud Crawford goes southpaw, said it before, I'll say it again, he's more dangerous, he's more dynamic, he's more creative. That's what you're seeing. Anything can happen when he's in the flow, as they say. And for folks who don't know the story, the only reason he can fight in two stances is because his hand was broken and it wasn't going to heal for a while. So he said, okay, I'll just box in a different stance. And then got world class at it. Yeah. Like, this is, you can't find guys like this 
anywhere in the world except, I guess, in Nebraska. Now, before we go to the next clip, hold on one second. I want to show you something. This is two cases of him being an excellent counterpuncher. And he is that in the next one, too. But he's also going to be, BC, a trap setter. He is going to get Jeff Horn to move into a space where then he can land the shot he wants. Again, there are fighters who can take advantage of other fighters' mistakes. And then there are fighters who can make guys make mistakes. But Crawford is the latter. Let's look at that clip here, if we can, BC. So Jeff Horn, you're going to see this. Watch him bring his feet together and then gallop. You see his back foot comes first. So that means he's going to be into range, landing on the front foot, which means he's not going to have balance. Of course, you see him bring his feet together again. He is off balance as a consequence. As he comes out, Bud Crawford greets him with a shot. The guard comes up. His body comes over. He doubles up on the right side. Why? To push Horn to his left for that, BC. This is what I'm talking about. Ooh. He is making him move into parts of the ring by doubling up on the hooks, getting that position he wants, resetting as he needs to, kind of being a matador, basically olaying Jeff Horn into that space, and you saw the result. That was another awesome win for Bud Crawford. It's crazy. Bud Crawford, that was making his welterweight debut there in 2018 against Horn, who's gone on to move up two weight classes since that time. Yet Bud, with that wiry long frame, can just sometimes feel like the bigger fighter who was meant for that weight class, yet it's almost unfair when he can mix the speed, the power, all that. But with the mind, that's the lethal weapon when it comes to Bud Crawford finishing. You see him crouch down, that eyes, that focus. It's picking away at his meat. It's almost instinctual to go in there, pick his opponents apart, and get out of there. Also, look how calm he is. Look how calm he is the whole time. If you're calm, if you're centered, if you're zen but dialed in, you're going to make better decisions as a consequence. And you always see him, again, not rushing, not reacting necessarily, thinking through problems. He just does it relatively quickly. I want to point out to something on the tail of the tape here, BC. Now, Bud Crawford is the smaller of the two guys. We've seen them both on stage. We've seen them face off. They're in the same weight class, but I think Errol is a little bit bigger. However, look at that reach, 74-inch reach. He's got a two-inch reach advantage. You saw for Bud Crawford, space is key. Space is key. So I'm really thinking if you're Errol Spence, you got to take that away. But if you're Bud Crawford, man, those two inches, they're going to save your life potentially on Saturday night. This is a guy with efficient punching, a diversification of targets, and also really uses his athleticism and his frame really, really well. Maximizes the potential of what you can do at 35 and 5'8 with a 74-inch reach. The report is in on Terrence Bud Crawford. And when we return, Salt Pepper's going to be back. A dissected breakdown of the unified champion from DeSoto, Texas, Errol Spence Jr. It's time for some truth when we return. And we're back. Welcome back in the morning combat takeover and your ultimate preview for Spence versus Crawford on Saturday. And Luke Thomas, how about the long arm of the law from Texas and Errol Spence Jr.? Give us a dissected on what makes his boxing ability so unique. BC, if someone had to ask me what is the best way to describe his boxing style, I'm going to tell you he's a terminator. That's really what he is. He just beats his opponents down mercilessly, ruthlessly over time, but there's a science to all of the madness. He, he like Bud Crawford, a master of position has a wide diversification of targets. We're going to look at all of that with both outside and inside foot position. But BC, perhaps one of the most unique things that he does in all of boxing 
is basically inside wrestling. You're going to watch how he manipulates his opponents either by their posture or with head position once again to put guys where he wants. What is the commonality one more time between Spence and Crawford? Both guys don't wait necessarily on their opponents to do things. They make their opponents do things and I'm going to show you proof of that. Let's take a look at their common opponent here in Sean Porter in many ways. And you're going to watch this left hand here. He's going to come around to the side. But in many ways, BC, not one of Errol Spence's best fights. And he lands this beautiful left hook, as you can see. And it sends Porter reeling because he's coming up while he's getting hit a little bit. But the devil is going to be in the details. Watch this right hand. Look at that. He's going to push over and manipulate his posture while keeping an, a blocking mechanism on the eye. And so when he pulls it out, the left hand comes right behind it. I call him the king of replacements. He's got something there. He's going to replace it with the punch or perhaps another blocking mechanism. And look at that shot, BC. It won him that round, certainly won him that fight. And that was a tough one for him, but he got it done. That's a big swing moment, a big fight, which is what great fighters produce. But look, that's an undisciplined Errol Spence in a very fun action fight against a difficult Sean Porter. How about rising to the occasion, though, when it matters most? That focus, putting the iron will together and taking care of it and getting that late knockdown without that we could have seen a draw we could have seen a split decision the other way for it was a close fight and again it, this was not a characteristic fight necessarily of Errol Spence he was a bit of a different time in his life but BC he did get the ship heading in the right direction let's look at now something here that I think is going to show you that let's pay attention to the here of course Uga's fight he's going to jab the glove change angles and then change the angle of the jab while going to the body just like that now it's an inside fight but what I want you to pay attention is head position as they clinch up Ugas is going to push into him now look their head is even watch Spence weave it down underneath like that to push Ugas over by the way he's got lead outside foot position and he's going to push Ugas over while he hits them. So BC he puts these guys in positions by using every single thing in his arsenal. People don't think of the head necessarily as an appendage, but it is if you want to use it. And in other combat sports, you know this, the head is very important to both weight, balance, distribution, and in this case, manipulating your opponent. And for all the skills he has, and we've seen Spence win fights just with his boxing alone, this prime evolved version of him as you mentioned the Terminator it's like a tank running downhill the commitment to the punch volume inside the whole time but always looking for those angles such a dynamic finishing offensive weapon is Errol Spence and also just look how physical he is for the weight class right moving these guys around bullying them you can actually see scenes from the Kell Brook fight where he just has his hands up and he's just walking the guy down physically he tries to be the man in there in that Porter fight it got him in trouble but of course BC he's not just a brute force although he can be that he is a scientific fighter as well let's take a look at one more Ugas clip and this is what I want to show you this is the one that really did the damage to Ugas's eye he's going to jab you're going to see a bit of a crossing guard there from Ugas but this whole time he's going to go to his back foot he's been investing in the body work so watch Ugas he's going to pinch his elbows together assuming this is going to come to the body but it doesn't and it's this inside cutting angle on the uppercut hits the eye breaks the eye socket caused untold damage and really this is what sent Ugas reeling afterwards look at this guy look at the shape he's in BC a physical fighter a dominant fighter the dog is in him but BC also he doesn't just use brute force just to batten down the door no it's more than that it's scientific the whole way through so when you combine the science that he has with the brute force that he has he is a force well, to be it's, it's one thing to be 
what he is, maybe the biggest you can be in this division, the most elite welterweight with that kind of size. But when you can package it with a motor that can go 12 rounds and go hard, look, styles make fights, and maybe that's dictated at times the decision-making of Errol Spence and the style that he brings. Against Ugas, though, he made that commitment to just keep pushing. He was going to break that wall down no matter what. Will be interesting whether that's the new Spence or that's the new Spence when it matters, when he needs it. Will, will Terrence Crawford bring that style out of him? We'll have to wait until Saturday night. We'll, we'll see, but here's kind of where I'm at on this one. A lot of folks had questions uh, about Spence at the Porter fight, but the Ugas one, I pulled two clips from that on purpose because that's his last fight. Now, that was some time ago, and we were there. We couldn't see anything. We had the worst seats on earth, but we were actually there. But, of course, you can see from these, it's not just the wrestling. It's not just, of course, the physicality we talked about. We don't have some of these numbers, but it's really important to understand the volume, BC. So while he's manipulating these guys, while he's pushing them, while he is constantly on the attack, the amount of shots he's throwing with brutality to the body, upstairs, pushing guys around, off-balancing them, it's this blender he puts these guys in. They can't deal with it. They can never get their feet set. They can never find him. He's always the other way. And when he wants to push them around, my God, you just saw what he does. And plus, one more time, I cannot overstate it, the physicality. People say that Terrence Crawford, when they've locked up with him, is stronger than he looks. He has a background in wrestling in high school. Folks don't really realize that. He's obviously a very gifted athlete. But I got to tell you, my hunch is going to be that the more physical of the two, particularly on the inside, the truth. Yeah, Errol also Spence. has a background in football. Errol Spence Jr. getting dissected by the professor. But when we return here on your ultimate Spence Crawford preview and the morning combat takeover, we're going to go category by category. Speed, power, defense, you name it. Who has the advantage? LTBC, we're going to vote and tell you right back after this on your ultimate Spence Crawford preview. Oh, yeah, MK back at it. Your ultimate Spence Crawford preview. LT and BC, hey, how about we go category by category to break down who really does have the edge in each important one. We've got eight categories for you to roll out here. And Luke Thomas, let's start right off the top. Power. Who has the advantage, Spence versus Crawford? I think both guys have decent power, actually, for this weight class. But I'm going to say pure power. Mm. I'll give it to Spence. I think that Bud might have better accuracy, but I'm going to say pure power Spence. Spence has 22 knockouts and 28 wins, 30 knockouts and 39 wins for Crawford, but the one-punch power goes in the direction of Spence. Speed, on the other hand, that might be a Bud Crawford edge right there. Yeah, I don't see how you could give that one to Spence. He's hardly slow or anything, but again, and it's also, it's not just speed, it's efficiency, it's positioning, it's balance. But I do think the pure speed from the smaller guy, it's going to go to Bud. If you want Bud, you got it. Certainly quicker. Does that speed, though, equate to category number three, footwork advantage? I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about this. i got to tell you, I think both guys are really, really good at it. For me, it is a draw. Now, they have different kinds of footwork, but the one thing that unites them is how they change positioning, how they make guys move, how they move around guys. They are both very, very, very good at it. Just different ways of applying it. It's a wash for me. Do you have I'm a gonna, I'm gonna, I can't pick a winner in that regard either. Both absolute technicians okay. when they need to be, plays into their athleticism and all of the hours, 10,000 hours or more put into this. But that does play into category number four, technique. We're talking pure boxing ability. It's very close. But Bud Crawford can just do more things. 
He can. I guess in that sense, you can say that Bud Crawford probably should win this category, but I just want to be clear about something. No one should ever be under any illusion that Errol Spence is anything other than scientific. I, I sure. just want to make sure that they know that. So I will give the edge, edge to, I keep calling him the magician in Bud Crawford, but the difference between him and Spence in that regard is minimal. It would be wrong to call Spence's style basic, but he does handle the meat and potatoes so well. It's Crawford on the other side who can freestyle the abstract yes. painter, can color outside the lines. But category number five is defense. Maybe Spence doesn't get the edge here because he's so offensively inclined and always pushing forward. We saw the defensive statistics. I'm going to give Bud that edge just the same. I'll give Bud that edge, too. At times, Spence can be a little bit reckless with his defense. He had good defense, by the way, in the Brook fight. Like, when yes. he wants to, actually, he can have it. But then you see a fight like the Porter fight, and you're like, dude, what's up with the defense there? He got had all kinds of problems in that one. So, again, it's not like Spence has bad defense. But Crawford is a magician. Well, a big part of defense a lot of times can be focus, and that's something Spence told us in Great June at the point. press conference he Great needs point. to work on. He has been rocked, Earl Spence, by singular punches, and a lot of times you can tell just maybe missed something in that moment, took his eye off the ball, ate a shot. Luckily for him, though, Luke, as we head into category number six, chin, durability, punch recuperativeness. This is Errol Spence. Not by a wide margin, but by a clear one. I think that's right. Again, we're talking about the bigger guy. He should have a little bit more punch resistance. And also, you know, like, who has bitten down on the mouth? Like, who's been in the trenches in this weight class? It's been Errol Spence. And again, sometimes by his own design. Never, not down, even, never down as a pro, Errol Never Spence. down. And also, you know, very inadvisably in certain times. But I do think the guy who's going to be sturdier. Yeah. Chris Algieri spoke to you about it. We talked on the record before. Said when he punched the guy, it almost hurt his hand because of how sturdy he is. I'm going to give him the edge Crawford in Crawford got dropped by Mean Machine. He was hurt against Gamboa, but he rallied back for the victory. Number seven is corner. We're talking about the coaching, both world-class, but I don't know how you beat Derek James. That edge has to go to Errol Spence. Respect Bomack a lot. I understand he contributes a significant amount. That wouldn't ever say that the relationship that he has with Bud Crawford has been anything other than fruitful. It's got to go to Derek James. Here's the weird one. Category number eight, intangibles. It can mean anything sort of outside the box. I'm going to give this edge to Spence here. I think you can flip side it and pick Bud, but the reason why I'm giving it to Spence is the mentality of going through his opponent. Who's more likely to rise to the occasion? Nothing against Crawford. He rises regularly, but Spence is so dialed in to go through you and endure whatever he has to. That's a superpower in this fight. It's a wash for me. You got Bud Crawford. If you want to say the intangibles are creativity, he is more creative. On the other hand, we say it. we've been saying it for two hours, that dog in him. It's got to go to Spence. To me, that's a wash. Yeah, that dog in him. Arf, arf. Let's look back on our eight categories. You hear, you heard which side we lean on. Here's a visual representation. This doesn't decide who wins the fight, but you see how we see it across the board. A push in footwork, but Luke, pretty even in the other categories. A slight edge on Spence, maybe. But here's what's interesting. When people are talking about this matchup, Spence said it himself. Crawford is the more dynamic, skilled fighter. But what's going to happen when the styles clash come Saturday night in Las Vegas? How about some keys to victory when we return here on the Ultimate Preview, the Morning Combat Takeover? How do these guys do it to get their hand raised come Saturday? And we're back at it. The biggest fight in boxing since Mayweather Pacquiao. It's Spence versus Crawford Saturday. But it's time for keys to victory. Luke Thomas... You're mythically in the corner of Errol Spence. What three things should he look for to get his hand raised Saturday? Derek James, not me. Uh, but okay, if I'm there, here's what I'm going to say. Like, and I, I think we have a graphic for it. I'd like to show it if we can. 
But this is what I think is most important. First of all, more outside than uh, inside fighting. BC, if he's fighting in a way where Bud Crawford has uh, room to move, I just don't feel like that's going to favor him over the long term. So that's got to be key. Second, wrestle Crawford. Now, not literally wrestle Crawford. We don't mean that. But we saw it on Dissected. Using the tricks that he does where he is using underhooks to pull, changing head position, pushing guys, manipulating their weight. He should be the bigger, more physical guy. If you've got Bud Crawford reacting to how you're manipulating his balance and his weight and his rhythm, that's going to be good for you if you're Errol Spence. And last but not least, BC, this is a part that just can't be overstated. Volume, volume, volume. Errol Spence is best when he is a high IQ kind of what would you call him, pressure fighter, basically. And what makes that work is he absolutely, when he's cooking, is raining on these guys. That is what you see from them. They just can't find a place to get out of the torrential downpour. If you see low volume, if he's not wrestling, if he's having to fight on the outside, I just don't think that bodes well for Errol Spence. It's got to be the opposite in all three cases. Well, volume is key because what's the separation in close fights? High-speed chess when it goes to the judges' scorecards. Sometimes it comes down to one round. So number one for Terrence Crawford on my keys to victory, don't give away rounds. I know Crawford typically does the Mayweather or the Gervonta where you take a couple rounds, download information, make the adjustment, and finish. The problem is you're fighting Spence a higher level guy. The adjustments will be constant. Crawford needs to be busy early and make sure he's looking to win seven rounds, not just get the knockout. Number two, stay unpredictable. Crawford has more ways to win, more tools in the tool belt. It's not just making the one-time adjustment to southpaw. In my opinion, he's got to constantly change up the looks because when Spence is allowed to put it into drive and come downhill on you, normally the fight is beginning to end. And finally, Errol Spence, one of the biggest body punchers in the entire sport. But we know in basketball, teams that press hate to be pressed. Crawford needs to establish a presence to the body early. It plays into the larger conversation of he needs to gain Errol Spence's respect in the first half so that Spence cannot get into that gear. Why not just go downstairs? Those are your keys to victory. And when we return... In our final segment here on the Morning Combat Takeover, prediction time. Our picks from BC and LT. Spence Crawford just days away. We will be right back. Your MK Takeover ends right here on the CBS Sports Network. Just days out from Spence Crawford with what else? picks and predictions ahead of this classic. It's been called old school. It's been called the generational fight. It's the first four belt undisputed championship fight in welterweight history. Luke Thomas, Saturday night, Las Vegas, Showtime pay-per-view. Who wins Spence Crawford? And why? One disclaimer for the audience. BC and I do a lot of picks. It should be noted we are decidedly awful at it, okay? <laughs> but with that little disclaimer out of the Could way. Can you please protect our good name here? Our good name? I mean, come on. I'm, not, I'm just protecting what we have left. Where's that Apollo hook? In all seriousness. It's a tough one, BC, and we know that you could go in a lot of different directions. Everyone says it's a 50-50 fight. I change my pick every hour. I'm not I even I really kidding. do, too. Again, I, I could feel differently come fight time as it stands today. Errol Spence Jr. is my pick. I just feel like in the end, the way in which he gets stronger and stronger, the volume, the physicality, I just don't think Bud has fought a guy like that. And I think in the end, it's going to matter. Well, let's be fair. Terrence Crawford, the slight betting favorite, although the picks have been split across boxing in terms of experts and commentators, a lot of people leaning on Crawford. But Luke Thomas, 
I have to also echo you. My pick is going to be Errol Spence Jr. I think we go to the finish and the scorecards, and I think it could be one of those decisions where you could make a case for either fighter. But what is ultimately going to separate these two at the end of the day? For me, it's the heart, chin, and durability of Spence if he can succeed at making this a firefight in the second half of it. Although Crawford ultimately has more ways to win and probably would be more likely if there was an outclassing in this fight because he's maybe more skilled. When Spence bites down on the mouthpiece and goes after you in that old school style, we've seen Crawford hurt, we've seen him drop before. Maybe this is enough for Errol Spence Jr. to get his hand raised. But here's an important key to note entering Saturday. It's a gift to boxing fans that this fight finally happened. But Luke Thomas, the bilateral rematch clause means either fighter win or lose can kick in a second fight and choose which weight class it's in, by the way. A nice little wrinkle. Will we get two? Will we get three fights for Spence Crawford? Boxing fans can only hope. But we've had a great time setting the stage for you. Luke Thomas, Brian Campbell, the co-hosts of the award-winning Morning Combat podcast from CBS Sports and Showtime. You can download it right now wherever you get podcasts and find audio. The biggest news, fights, previews in boxing, mixed martial arts, and beyond. And you can catch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 11 a.m. in the East on the Morning Combat YouTube channel. Luke Thomas, I want to give you the final word here less than a minute to go. We said we think Spence Crawford, we think action, we think history. Are you expecting an absolute classic here? I'm expecting for Spence to come out of the gate hot and Bud to come out a little cold and then for it all to turn into a big, tumbled, amazing mess from about the mid-rounds on. You can purchase this fight on Showtime pay-per-view Saturday night. And when the fight is over, Luke Thomas live from T-Mobile Arena, our morning combat instant analysis and reaction. We've had a great time here on the CBS Sports Network and the morning combat takeover. It's Spence versus Crawford. History at stake. Four belts in the welterweight division. Two kings facing off. Who will come out on top? You'll have to tune in Saturday night, Showtime pay-per-view. For LT, it's BC Morning Combat. We are out of here. Enjoy the fights on Saturday. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. Citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus.